Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to a Friday edition, a VIP edition of the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports, Zach Kelberman. Here we are once again, Zach, at the end of a week, another great week of breaking down the Broncos. What do you got cooking this weekend? Uh, nothing. I'm still kind of combing through these Fangio quotes, Chad. He sat there for like an hour, and we're still cranking out content about that. Um, there's a lot more that I want to get into. I know it's kind of a nerdy thing to say, but I want to break down some film for the draft. A lot of prospects I haven't seen yet. Um, a lot of different positions I haven't looked at yet. So that's my weekend pretty much. So uh, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Hey, man, that's what we do. You know, it's football. It's Broncos 24-7. There's a reason why it's called 24-7 Sports. That's right. We, we got to toe the line. But we really do. I mean, uh, and I think probably most of our listeners as well eat, breathe, and sleep Broncos football. And so for us, our job is as content creators too, man, we have to stay sharp. We got to stay, you know, keep ourselves educated. And there's things I do to stay on the cutting edge, like read different football books, break down film. There's different resources that are out there <clears throat> to better help you understand what you're seeing on the football field too. Because like, you know, most fans, and this was me for a long, long time, when you're watching a game, you're basically just following the ball. So when yeah. you begin to break down film and learn to kind of understand what you're seeing, it just really opens up and, and it just turns in like a quantum level of football. So it's so much fun. I love breaking down film and studying film, but the problem with it, Zach, the obstacle is that it is very time consuming. It is. It's monotonous. It's tedious. It, it kind of can make you crazy after a while. It's very stationary, you know, a process to go through. But it, it really unlocks that adrenaline rush. It's like going into the gym and start working out. You can start to feel better about yourself. That's the same way for any football-loving fan uh, to go about watching film. And you can really understand the fine points of the game, the X's and O's. I just love doing it. It gets me ready for the draft. It gets me ready for who the Broncos might take. And it also makes me a better football fan. I'm always looking to grow. Uh, Chad, you and I have a responsibility, I think, to Broncos country to be the best Broncos website out there, the best content. And I, you and I both take that very seriously. That we do, my friend. That we do. And today, we're taking our jobs especially seriously because we are answering the bell for the VIP subscribers at milehighhuddle.com 24-7 sports. Today is, of course, Friday, so we're going to be diving into a VIP edition of the Mile High Mailbag. We're going to get, uh, you know, the, the 411 on what's on Broncos Country's mind here in just a minute. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. As always, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter. Really easy to do. Open up Twitter, find at HuddleUpPod, click the follow button, and if you haven't done so, 
Take some time. This is extremely important. Our goal as a podcast is to get our reviews on iTunes, which is currently in the low 100s, up to the 200 benchmark before the draft. That gives us a solid month with your help, our awesome listeners, to get our ratings up to 200 total entries. Now, it's important. It helps us grow. It helps us reach new listeners. iTunes, as it relates to to the rankings and competing with other podcasts in our realm, it's very important. So if you haven't done that, you listen to the show on a regular or semi-regular basis, and you haven't taken time to leave a creative review on iTunes, please just take a second doesn't take long. Leave a few sentences, some feedback, some thoughts, what you think of the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Job well done. We really appreciate it, and it's a great way that you can organically help support the show and keep this thing healthy. All right, Zach, so let us take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because we are the football priests of Broncos country, and each and every week we're here to offer the absolution and answers to your Burning Broncos questions. And this one, of course, comes from our VIP forum, MHH Insiders, on the website. Now, for those of you who are not VIP subscribers, it's really easy to do. Here's my here's my uh, pitch to you, okay? A quick little sermon for you. You go to the website, you find the green banner, subscribe, click it. you got two options. You can either subscribe at an annual basis or as a monthly subscriber, just go month to month. Whichever one is totally cool. You get a little bit of a break uh, price-wise if you go annual, just like most subscriptions, but it's up to you. doesn't make a difference to me. I appreciate your support. Zach does as well at any level. But from there, what happens is you get access to 100% of the website, and that includes all of our Broncos film breakdowns, our coming film breakdowns on the on the draft class, and also some of the key prospects that are going to be there at Pick 10. Gets you access to the VIP script uh, and staff-only forum, which is MHH Insiders. That's where you get to engage with each and every one of our staff members, ask the ex- experts the questions, whether it's draft, whether it's buzz on the Broncos, what they're thinking, etc., that's your access point, and that's only for VIPs, and that's also where we put out a call each and every week for the Friday mailbag. So you look for that if you subscribe. Make yourself known. Start uh, engaging in the conversations that take place in the forum, and then look for that post that either myself or Zach will put up once a week calling for questions for the Friday mailbag. So that's how you get access to this, and it's really easy to do. Another great way to help keep this thing alive and keep us, uh, give us the opportunity to continue to bring you this content, including the podcast, on a daily basis. All right, so, Zach, let's take a look at the first question here from Arctic Bronco. Two months he's going on being a VIP subscriber. Question is, should the Broncos prioritize drafting a guard or interior offensive lineman over that of a tight end? This scenario seems that the two who are available are very close on their draft board. I'm not sure exactly what he means by that second comment there, but should the Broncos prioritize drafting a guard or an interior lineman over tight end? I think all things being equal is what he's saying, and it's kind of a loaded question. In my mind, if it comes down to, let's say, Hawkinson versus Jonah Williams, I'm taking Hawkinson. I think I I would trust Munchak's guidance with the younger players over Wade Harmon, the new tight end coach, Um, and I would think a tight end is a more immediate need right now. They need to add to that group because they have nothing but injury-prone players at the position right now. So while they're both needs, I would not reach for either, and certainly I would not prioritize a guard or a center or whatever when they already have their starters lined up, and you can't really say the same about tight end. You don't know yet with Hireman, Butt, and Fumagalli all coming off injuries. Yeah. I would be 
Well, first of all, I'm still pining for a quarterback at 10. I'm hoping one of the top three are there. If not, I'm I'm probably, you know, as I've talked about before on the pod, I'm hoping it's a defensive blue chipper if it doesn't end up being a quarterback. I would be very disappointed if it were an offensive lineman at pick 10. Now, I Trevor Judge, who's a new writer here on our staff, he published an article, I think it was Wednesday, basically breaking down the odds of which positions have the highest odds for the Broncos to target in the draft. And he had offensive line as very high likelihood the Broncos are going to use at least one draft pick on offensive line. And I concur. I think the Broncos are going to draft both offensive line and tight end in this class. It's just a question of where. And I think different positions have you know different depth in terms of center guard, tackle, I hope the Broncos stay away from, from interior O-line early, even though there are some really intriguing players. I think some of the uh, really good ones, though, like Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, you might be able to get him early in round two if you're really pining for uh, you know, a good fit, an athletic, talented scheme uh, fit for the Denver Broncos at interior. Chris Lindstrom would be good early round two. So here's the next question. It comes from Stud Lee going on three months as a VIP subscriber. Zach, he says... If Elway doesn't draft a QB at 10 this year and kicks the can down the road again, do you think he will have done enough this offseason to save his job? His job was never in danger. I mean, who's going to fire him? Joe Ellis with all the other things going on right now? His job is as safe as safe can be for right now. And the key word is for right now. But he was never getting fired. And if he passed on a quarterback, they still have Joe Flacco. They still have a pretty good defense. And they have a team that Elway genuinely believes they can compete for a title this year. So his job is not in danger. Now, if he kicks the can down the road till next year and takes a quarterback in next year's draft and they bust, then you start talking about Elway um, feeling the hot seat. But for at least the next couple of years until his contract starts in the year to end, Chad, um, I wouldn't put him on any sort of hot seat. I think his job security is pretty good. His job security is good so long as Joe Ellis is still the president of the team and the CEO. I mean, let's rewind it just for a minute here. Obviously, Elway, you know, the tonality in the fan base is two guys here who very much have our fingers on the pulse of, of the fans. The tonality is, and I've covered the team now. This will be, I don't know, lose track. It's either the sixth or seventh season I've actually covered the team. And it went from John Elway can do no wrong to the last two years, you know, on the heels of that, probably about a 50-50 split. Just for example, there was an article published uh, we public, that Bob Morris published on Thursday that was comparing, and this is a great read for any of you listening right now, go check it out when you're done listening to the pod, but comparing the draft resumes, you know, grading John Elway versus Bill Belichick. And it was interesting going back and looking at some of the social media comments, and especially Facebook, which is a wild, wild west, let's face it, it <laughs> trolls when it comes to comments. But it's it's a it's sometimes can be a pretty accurate barometer of where Broncos country's heart's at in, on a particular issue. And, you know, it, probably 50-50 of the comments were negative uh, regarding Elway, and most of them were made without having read the piece. They just see the title, and they, make, they just make an assumption, and they leave a comment and so what I'm getting at, too, is, the, you know, it's not that the natives have turned on him completely. That's not what's happened. But they're, people are getting impatient, right? And you could sense, yeah. Zach, we talked about this on the podcast. On Black Monday, when Vance Joseph was fired and Elway stood up at the podium just a couple hours later, and you could tell, I mean, he had his, his voice cracked a few times. You could tell he was very emotional. Not that he was crying or anything like that, but you could tell this was a man very much 
feeling the pressure of and frustration too of how these last two seasons especially unfolded and so i think that the pressure is on and you know with two consecutive double digit losing seasons and basically for the first time in almost 50 years the onus is very much back on john elway but here's what should encourage you all of you uh, but speaking specifically to stud lee what should encourage you is Elway thrives under pressure. Those are the guys. I mean, he's the type of guy. He was a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's the type of guy that when the chips are down, that's what gets him up in the morning. He loves that pressure and and you know having to rise to the occasion and compete and try and and make some magic happen. So that doesn't guarantee it by any stretch that he's going to succeed, right? But if the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, Zach, I think that fans should still give Elway the benefit of the doubt, so long as he remains under contract, which is through 2021. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that he's faced more criticism now than ever before. I mean, how many expressions of an L.A. Broncos fans trust? If you heard lately, Chad, what a couple of years ago, that was when all you were hearing on Twitter, on yep. Facebook, everywhere. Yep. I mean, the, the loyalty to Elway was was deep. And now it's like you said, 50-50. There's a large sect of the fan base that believes Elway should have been fired along with Vance Joseph. And when he stood up there that day, he was humbled. I mean, he was really a humbled man. He ate a lot of crow by firing Vance, and then he finally realized that he was the cause. He wasn't just the effect. He was the cause of the Broncos' problems. And he's – I've talked about this multiple times. He's grown. I give him a lot of credit. He's opened himself up to instruction and advice and outside opinions, and it's bettered him. I just think, though, if he gets too cocky and if he thinks he can be the one to get 34-year-old Joe Flacco and revert him back to being a Super Bowl quarterback – that could be a little too um, egotistical on his part, thinking he can, you know, beat Father Time. But under no circumstance is this year going to be any sort of make or break for John Elway. This is another year where he has complete control, complete free reign. And like you said, Chad, Joe Ellis is not going to be the one to fire a legend in Broncos country like John Elway. That's right. That's right. I absolutely concur. But, you know, I think that if – the point he's one of the points he's making with this question, then we'll move on here. Is you know the whole the the question of if he doesn't get take a quarterback this year, kicks the can down the road. On that topic, Zach, here's what I think, and we've talked about it on the podcast before. I think, but my concern is if the Broncos indeed pass on a quarterback again at pick ten, and I'm talking if one of the three are there, okay, and they kick the can down the road, and maybe they take a guy in round two or three or something like that. And then the 2019 season unfolds and Flacco falls on his face or the team really struggles to acclimate under a new coaching regime or whatever, right? Or the teams of the AFC West continue to be very dominant and high profile. If that happens and the Broncos produce yet another, you know, sub 500 season, it's, I'm not going to say that Elway's out the door, but it really is going to create a scenario in which you're going to have to, you know, he's going to have to do something. Because the pressure will, I mean, it gets to a point with Joe Ellis. He's got all this stuff going on with the court and 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 uh, Beth Bowen Wallace and and Bill Bowen suing him and the trust. He's got all this outside scrutiny on him because of the ownership situation now being very much in the public arena. The team continues to not do well. You know, at a certain point, heads roll. Now, I'm not saying that's what will happen. I'm not making any prediction, but that's my concern, which is why I think Elway would be remiss if he has the opportunity this year to pass on one of the top three signal callers if they're there. And that includes Kyler Murray. If Kyler Murray's there at 10, which I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be, it's looking like Arizona's going to take him and trade 
Josh Rosen. But I don't care which one of those three get one of them, Zach. And let the fans know you're not just obsessed with winning now. You're also thinking about the future. I agree with you. But here's what's going to happen. The Broncos will be better this year by virtue of better coaching and easier schedule and slightly upgraded quarterbacking. They'll have a couple more wins in the bank, and that'll buy Elway even more time and kind of delay the inevitable. But I agree with the point that you're making. If they fall on their face this year, another playoff this season, uh, more fans heading for the exits, the pressure becomes intense for Elway. I don't like I'm, – I'm stopping short like you said. I don't want to say that he'd be fired, but you start hearing those stories a lot more than you've already heard. I just think if they have another playoff this season, then the spotlight becomes intense. But for now, I mean, he could do no wrong still. All right, next question comes from Paul826. He's going on three months as a VIP subscriber. He says, I'm thinking a trade down from 10 is our best option. Zach, now, I wouldn't be opposed to a trade down from 10 if one of the top three quarterbacks is, is no longer on the board. Right, I'm with you. I think if the Broncos in that doomsday scenario, that trickle highlighted on the last pot or so, if that unfolded, then I would explore that. And I think Elway will based on the comments that he made about the quarterbacks. But my personal preference is to stay put. You're pretty much, uh, like I've been saying, guaranteed to land some sort of blue chipper either on offense or defense. So if I had my druthers, I would not trade down only in the most extreme circumstance, if all the players were off the board, then you might want to recruit some, some capital. But let me just say, if they do move back in round one, do not be surprised if they trade back up or move back up in round two. And to add to a question that we touched on before, an offensive lineman who I would not be surprised if ruled out for a trade is Dalton Reisner. Maybe move up from the second round back up into the first. So that's another option there. Um, but yeah, I would say put if I had my choice. Next one here comes from Jedi Joshua. 58, going on three months as a VIP, great listener of the show, very active also on the forums and also on social media. Joshua says, you guys, every single one has been killing it this offseason. Super glad to be part of the knowledge dropping going down. Appreciate Appreciate you. you. Question I got today is, do you think Sua Cravens is going to move to linebacker? Is he going to even make the team or is he going to be a rapper? Because we all had high hopes for him, (laughs) and he has talent and a great chance with Fangio not watching last year's tape of the team and wanting to form his own opinions. I would hate to see this shot wasted. I don't know, is is Sua Cravens a, uh, you know, is he trying to be in the rap game as an MC or something? I was going to say, does he have a mixtape out? I don't know about. I mean, is he he in Le'Veon Bell's uh, group? I don't know. (laughs) No, he's in Cole Beasley. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, in terms of Cravens, I, I, I think he'll have an outside chance. Fangio said at the Combine uh, that he wants to see what he can do, and he wants to see what the players from last year can do in his system. I just wouldn't give them extremely high hopes. They have a couple safeties on the roster they like in Parks and Demonte Thomas. And his his mental capacity, Chad, it's been questioned. I mean, he retired with the Redskins last year. He had a major problem, a public call-out of Vance Joseph after being inactive or deactivated. So his mental aspect of the game, if Fangio can kind of overcome that, the physical talent is there. But I would give him uh, not great odds to make the 53 as it stands right now. When Wesley Woodyard made the team as an undrafted rookie. I think it was back in 08. He was under 230 pounds as a linebacker. Okay, now he was that was when Denver was rocking a 4-3 and he was a weak side guy that hardly ever had to contend with offensive linemen inside, you know, inside the box so to speak. He was always on the edge. And so he was able to get away with that weight once they kind of started switching schemes or moving him inside cuz he started playing uh, Mike linebacker too. He had to bulk up a little bit so that he could contend with 
you know, interior offensive lineman. Sua Cravens is six foot one and two hundred and twenty-four pounds. Right now, I think he's best suited as a dime backer, just because. I mean, go back and watch that that uh, Chargers game late in the season last year, in which Antonio Gates was just putting him on a freaking. I mean, he was just running circles around Sua Cravens. It was it was hard to watch at times. So his coverage, and maybe some of that is just because he missed half the season, you know, and then he missed the entire year before that. And so maybe he just needs time to kind of get back into the zone of, of you know, and the speed of the game in terms of coverage. But a part of me thinks that maybe that ship has sailed, Zach, and right. it's time for the Broncos. I mean, obviously they have a needed inside linebacker. And he is very good in the box. He's a heat-seeking missile, and he's got speed – of a defensive back that you can put at linebacker. So my advice would be, hey, look, you've got some solid young safeties already on the roster behind Will Parks and, and Justin Simmons in DeMonte Thomas, Jamal Carter. you got Kareem Jackson who can play safety and help you out there. You even got Trey Marshall who showed some really good signs uh, during the preseason last year. Let Sua Cravens play linebacker. Just unleash him to seek and destroy and see what happens Zach. Yeah, I can see that happening, especially with the hole they have right now. Uh, but I feel in the draft they're going to add to both positions, safety and inside linebacker. And what I think ultimately is they'll take Cravens to training camp and they'll let him compete in the preseason, but I think he'll be released at final cuts. I just don't see him with the safeties you mentioned, Chad, and the competition and the and the questions surrounding him, his mental and, and his injury status, I just don't see him making the final 53. We'll see what happens. We still have a few questions to dive into left here in the mailbag, but first, we got to pay some bills, you guys. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, next question here comes from Dylan West. He's going on three months. No, excuse me. He's going on 50 months. Long time. <laughs> a VIP subscriber. He's been with Mile High Huddle for a long time. A great member and longtime listener of the Huddle Up podcast as well. Dylan says, it seems like Vic Fangio's arrival in Denver, coupled with the Vance Joseph experiment, has brought out a different, more tight-lipped, but honest version of GM John Elway that we haven't seen before. What do you guys think about how Elway has carried himself this offseason, and what does that mean for this season and the rest of his tenure? And here's one observation I want to make before I serve this over to you, Zach, is we've talked about it on the show before, but Elway in years past most of the time, by this point in the pre-draft season, we have a pretty good beat on what they're going to do in the draft and what their focus is in the draft, at least in the first round. This year, he's made a spe- special point of trying to obfuscate what the Broncos' plans are at pick 10. So maybe that is a sign that Dylan's on the right track here, that Elway's had maybe you know some kind of a uh, mighty change of heart to kind of tweak his approach. Yeah, Elway's, you know, he's a salesman. He's always going to be a gainsman. He's always going to play things close to his vest. That's just Elway. But but him being more honest, more open, more humbled, yeah, I've talked about that multiple times, including tonight, Chad. He really was a different person on that stage on December 31st after that season finale when they fired Vance Joseph. It was just a guy who realized his quarterbacking choices were a mistake. His head coaching choices were a mistake. The team he constructed was a failure. And he brought in a guy who he respects, who he he views as an equal, and he's actually let Fangio have a siphon a little of his power. And it's really made the whole dynamic uh, better, more free-flowing, creative, um, just more evolving. It's one word that Elway used, more evolution in today's NFL. It's brought the Broncos back up to speed, 
and made them more prominent on paper right now. So yeah, he is more honest. He'll always be more tight-lipped. But from what we can glean so far, Fangio has had a tremendous impact on Elway, and it's going to make him a better GM. And by product, the Broncos a better team. Speaking to the last part of Dylan's question there about what does it mean for this season and the rest of his tenure, I think, Zach, that John Elway is seeking that lightning rod of kicking and screaming, that spirit of kicking and screaming that was frankly lost in Denver after Gary Kubiak resigned. And, you know, he had to, Elway, kind of balance his burning desire for kicking and screaming with also the knowledge that he's taken on a young rookie head coach with no quarterback and the Broncos were in kind of a mini rebuild, even though they never really faced that topic publicly. So he's trying to balance these two things. That's all out the door now. It's all the way back to kicking and screaming with with Vic Fangio. And I can see that only paying dividends for the Broncos in 2019. So next question here comes from Bronco Guy 65 This is a guy I'm not that familiar with. He's been a VIP subscriber five months. Bronco guy, let me tell you this. Oh, and it looks like his name is Chad. Chad, let me tell you, be more active on the forums. We want to get to know you. And this goes for all you VIP subscribers who are listening to the show. Be engaged on the forums. Comment. Help us create this community and contribute to the community. We want you to participate. So let's see more more comments. And not just on the mailbag callouts, but contribute to the conversations. We want to get to know you, Bronco guy. 65. Here's what he says. As one Chad to another, Chad, you have a great name. Thank you, my dog. New to the forum, but longtime listener. If the Broncos don't draft a quarterback in round one and take a quarterback in the later rounds, do any of those guys have true franchise potential? Or are these guys just iterations of mid-tier quarterbacks? Seems like if the guys in the later rounds don't have a high ceiling, that it would not be the best use of draft capital. Which, Zach, I think is a good point, but I'm not one of those guys that subscribes to the notion that with regard to quarterbacks, unless you see him as like a franchise guy right away, you don't draft him. And right. So that's, that's one thing, you know, set that to the side. I think there are several quarterbacks, post-round one quarterbacks, that have some intriguing franchise-type tools, but they're still in the rough, that are not quite polished enough to where you could – you know, count on them out of the gates or spend a first-round pick. Some names off the top, I'll say Jarrett Stidham, I'll say Brett Rippon, I'll say even Eric Dungy, I'll say possibly even Will Greer. He's very much in the rough, though. He needs some polishing. And even a guy like Tyree Jackson, the big-arm kid from Buffalo. I mean, that arm is a franchise-caliber arm, but everything else, Zach, is still very much in the rough. Spot on. You nailed it, Chad. You named the points I was going to make and the quarterbacks I was going to name drop. Uh, There's no true day one franchise QB in this draft. No generational talent. That was pretty much last year with Mayfield and Darnold, and that can be you know next year or 2021. There's middling quarterback prospects, and I agree with you. Just because there's no day one starter per se uh, doesn't mean you don't have to take any of them. The Broncos, if anything, they need a long-term young backup like they have with Chad Kelly. Kevin Hogan is not it. So if anything, if you can come out of this draft with a, a long-term number two, like a Stidham or a Rippon, that's great. You don't have to have a, a QB1 and if you want to ride with Flacco. So um, personally, I don't see any generational talents, but I would not stop the Broncos from drafting one by the third round or so. I'm a big Stidham fan. I think he could become a starter, um, but the Broncos have to take that chance. Uh, I don't know if they will with Flacco, but they have to take that chance. If Kevin Hogan is not on this roster come September 7th or whatever the opener is, 
take that as a good sign that the Broncos found a good quarterback in the draft right. at some point. So we'll we'll see how it shakes out. Next question comes from CU Buff in Texas. Been with us a long time. 164. Actually, he's commenting. So hold on. Next question comes from No Fly Zone 2125. Going on 15 months as a VIP subscriber. His question is, do you think with the way Fangio is going about looking at his players and not watching film on last year, with us starting a week earlier this year because of the Hall of Fame game, do you see that benefiting us? And I'm having a hard time figuring out what they're going to do at 10 this year. Honestly, I never know what Elway's going to do, and I've see, been seeing more about the Raiders taking Locke lately, which we've talked about on the show. Eric Trickle has mocked Drew Locke to the Raiders twice now. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but you know there's some smoke there. Who, who knows how much fire's at the base of that? Fangio obviously is of the belief the Raiders would be crazy, Zach, to take a quarterback. He's a big fan of Derek Carr, apparently, as we talked about yesterday. But how much do you see starting a week earlier for the Hall of Fame game, affecting the Broncos, pros, cons, what do you see there? I mean, it's, it's it's kind of a wash because you have an extra game, an extra preseason game, and they get five because you know they're in the Hall of Fame, and that's an extra week of evaluation, but it's also an extra week where there could be an injury. So it, it's good and bad. They can start their offseason program a week earlier because they have a new head coach. They'll be back in the building earlier. So in, in that sense, it's it's a benefit, but until they're on the field going up against teams and really you know playing – Every down, every quarter, that's the determining factor, their play. Not starting the, the camp a week earlier, not having an extra game. That's good for evaluation. That can only take you so far, Chad. Couldn't have said it better myself. Hey, you guys, VIPs, thank you so much for your questions and your engagement. Zach and I really appreciate it. We love talking to you every Friday. And, of course, engaging with you on the forums throughout the week and on Twitter, too. And we appreciate your support. We really look forward to and enjoy the Friday mailbags from the VIP. So keep it coming. We'll talk to you again next Friday. We'll put out a call on the forums. And those of you who are not VIP subscribers, here's your call to action. Go to the site. Real easy to do. Find the green banner. Click through. Create an account, and you'll be locked in. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Another glorious, productive week of dropping knowledge on the show. Make sure you're following the Huddle Up Podcast on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Nick and Carl will be back with a fresh Building the Broncos podcast for you on Saturday. So whether you're out there mowing the lawn or raking the leaves or whatever you might be doing, you'll have a Broncos podcast to get you through the day. In the meantime, Zach and I will be back on the other side of the weekend with a fresh episode for you on Monday. So have a great weekend. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon.